Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? You kidding me? Playoffs? Playoffs? You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blues, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blues CFL Podcast. Playoff time. My name is Oz Davis. I'll be the co-host of the show. And joining me, as he has for this entire run of 250 shows, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how is it going? Goodness. We've done this how many times now? Yeah, 250. Yeah. This is episode 250. And uh, we had one episode that was completely lost. <laughs> so... Maybe if not, if not two or three. I mean, technology. Oh, really? Okay. I only remember the one because it was highly traumatic. Um, yeah. So that many times. Uh, I wonder what's on Joe's mind. I see Joe uh, on the Zoom camera, wearing a blue and gold T-shirt that is emblazoned on top with the words "World Champions." Uh, what you got there, Joe? Oh, just the 2021 Grey Cup champion <laughs> shirt. Hoping to have a 2023 one in my wardrobe fairly soon, but, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. We Wait, got a few who, weeks left before we determine that. Uh, who won the uh, championship that year? Was that the... Uh, 2021. Baltimore, Baltimore Stallions? <laughs> Not quite. They're a little <laughs> older than that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this week... Uh, the Bombers have, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have the bye week waiting the winner of the Western uh, semifinal in the championship. We're talking playoff football, as Joe's favorite ex-coach Jim Mora likes to say. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do Which way do you want to do this? Well, actually, before we start talking about the game, so I wanted to ask you this. What do you think season 2023 in the CFL will be remembered for. For being almost a carbon copy of 2022. Mm. Except that the Argos won a few more games. I right. Mean, if that's what people are going to remember mm. is the Argos tying the 16-win plateau. Uh, well, it's not only the second team that's ever done that. And how they finish is going to be remembered more so mm. than Anything else, I think. Because the year 1989, obviously, if you're a Ryder fan, that means something. But if you go a little bit, and the Grey Cup game was one of the most fantastic games I've ever seen in any sport. If you go, the next next thing you talk about is Edmonton won 16 games and didn't even make the Grey Cup. Mm. So what Toronto does this year, even if it's not winning the Grey Cup, will be remembered forever. Or at least until somebody wins 17. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which is inevitable, right? Definitely one of the one of the most top heavy seasons that I can think of in the CFL. Yeah. We came into the season talking about how the East had the potential of crossing over. That potential I mean, the way it played out. It was on the table if Ottawa gets their stuff together, and they didn't. Right. right. But third in the West was six. So yep. Ottawa 
Ottawa with seven would have done it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you go back and listen to the earlier episodes of anybody's shows, East crossover wasn't laughed off the table. Oh, no. So no. 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 the conditions were right if all four teams would have played to a seven-win pace. Mm-hmm. Of course, Ottawa being Ottawa, they that would take them two seasons, not one. <laughs> Damn. Well, no time. I mean, to we're have. looking. We're we're at this point. It's been 2018 Grey Cup was the last time that they were even in the playoffs. I want to say. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're talking about 80s level incompetence at this point for them. Wow. Wow. Jeez, Joe, tell us what you really think. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Ottawa is not playing this week. Um, all right. Let's get into this one then. Let's let's start with the East semifinal. As chronologically, this will play out. Hamilton Tiger Cats, just three-point underdogs at the Montreal Alouettes. Um I don't know. This week, for some reason, Joe, I approached this from the angle of the betting angle. Um, let's put it that way. Talking, I know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just talking theoretically. And uh, so I kind of ended up focusing on one side or the other for both of these games. Um, and in the case for Montreal, I guess I'll make the case for Montreal. I don't know if I don't know if you want to cover the Ticats on this one, Joe. But uh, any case, I'm kind of biased here. Uh, again, the Alouettes completed a bit of a strange season in which um, they went 11 and 0 against teams with a winning record, uh, teams with a losing record, I should say. Um, and in those 11 wins. The uh, the average score is I have it right here twenty nine to fifteen and a half so twenty nine fifteen twenty nine sixteen they're basically doubling the opposition in every game uh, the opposition with the losing record um, and in in the in the run of eleven and I think we're going into the playoffs now with a five six game winning streak with this with the eleven wins. Um, really the only teams that kept it to within a touchdown were the Red Blacks back in week nine in the in the gray hair game, the game that really uh, scared Alouettes fans, and uh, the Ticats this last week when we didn't see much of anything from these offenses. Um, in the first two meetings this year, 38-12 Ls, 27-13 Ls, in both games. Um, it's going back and looking at the numbers and the highlights uh, in preparation for this game. In each of those first two games, for wild reasons, Cody Fajardo went 19 of 25, exactly. And um, with the major difference being a couple of interceptions in that second game, still ended up winning regardless. I think that... And this is hardly surprising, I think, to anybody. But if I'm picking a key of the game, if I'm picking a matchup of the game, it's going to be stand back against that defensive front. Um, 
he's been a beast against Hamilton this year. In the first two games, combining for 175 yards on 28 carries, that's an average of six and a quarter yards per carry. Uh, in his last game, he was good for 6.9 uh, yards per carry, technically, 48 yards on seven carries. He did that, that have that one, what was it, 20, 22-yard run that he whipped off, um, which actually I wanted to say, too, is that's another characteristic of every game this year against Hamilton is that Stanback has whipped off a good 20 plus yarder in all three of the games. Uh, He, I feel that to some extent he has been prepped for this game. He has only, he has taken DNPs in three of the last six games. So the reason why they've been holding him back, I think is this game. Uh, I'm going to look for a run-heavy diet here uh, from the Owls. And, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's my main summary, at least of the offense side. What are you expecting out of – sorry, go ahead. So you've got a run-heavy game for the Alouettes. Yes. And you also have a Ticats team that can't settle on a quarterback. Mm Mm-hmm. I would have thought that they would have spent more time on Bo this last little bit when Bo's healthy, but they've also kept Matt Schultz in the rotation as well, and Taylor Powell has played more this season than the other two have. So any quarterback can show up at any point in this game, I would think. I'm sure they're going to stay away from Taylor Powell because he's young. Uh, He did carry the lion's share of of the season with the other two out, but now they have the two veterans in play, but it really doesn't lend itself to a very coherent game plan. James Butler has been their main offensive weapon. And they don't, they don't have, and Tim White's been a lot more quiet this season than than he has been in the past. It just seems like the big plays aren't there, and it's because he's had so many different people throwing it to him. Like you can't blame a receiver when he doesn't know who's going to throw in the ball on the, on the next play. So, mm-hmm. I have trouble seeing the Ty Cats coming out doing anything coherent this game. Uh, last week, I was surprised they both teams played more starters than I thought they would, mm-hmm. 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 And, and, and it just it still didn't come out Hamilton's way. So I. I just don't see it's hard to sweep a team four games, but yeah, I can yeah. see, I can see Montreal doing it, especially given that for the third time this season, they attempted the onside punt play that they have been doing for the second time this season. It was successful. And how do you not game plan against that at this point? If it's second in 20, maybe don't drop back into a shell. You know what they're doing at this point. <laughs> Like you could talk about the rule all you want about how it makes sense that the book, if you're kicking it from behind the line of scrimmage, should go past the first down marker to be carried as a first down. But right now, the way the rules are written, don't play 10 yards off the receiver and expect them not to try that. Right. Right. Yes, that was glorious to see. I I must say, again, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I just have this feeling that Hamilton's a team in transition and doesn't really know who they are. And I've been feeling that way the whole season. 
Well, they're. I mean, it's they have a couple of big wins, and then they have a lot of a lot of. Uh, I mean, it's just been a bizarre season for the Ticats. They could, I mean, yeah, they could they could come out and be the best team in the league on any given on any given day, but they can also be the worst team in the league. And they don't seem to have a coherent plan right now. Like you brought in Bode to be the guy to lead your team. If you don't believe he could do that at this point, what is he still doing there? Hmm. You, he was the one year patch of let's make a big run at the gray cup here. And yeah, he's been hurt, but you've had a few weeks to get him in game shape. He should be carrying the load for you by now. I would have thought he would have had the whole of the whole of last week just to get the reps, get used to the offense again, get just get some live game time before the playoffs hit. And they were back and forth with him and Schultz. It's like I don't get what they're doing. <laughs> uh unless screen, right? It's it's a it's a potentially costly smoke screen, but maybe it's just a smoke screen. They're, so what, the Owls have to game prep for two quarterbacks? Um, maybe that's the, the ploy here. Um, or 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 if you really wanted to run a smoke screen, Taylor Powell is your starter the next week, this next week. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, you play the other two the week before, why not? I mean, I mean... It makes about as much sense as anything else they're doing right now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. Um okay, yes. For me, the main argument to be found here against the Owls is just the numbers balancing out. Because the truth is this whole this year, Hamilton Montreal has been one massive outlier. Um the the tie cats are that annoying CFL team. Every year there's one of them, it seems like, that could not put together a winning streak of more than two games, and yet only lost three games in a row once, weeks one through three. Um, and so makes them very elusive to bet, for example, or even to predict what's gonna happen. Next week, as Joe said, sometimes they look like world beaters. Other times they look like the worst team in the league. Not quite, though, Joe, because um, the result of all this was a bizarre season for Hamilton as well. When they went three and nine against playoff teams and three and seven against the East with all three wins coming against Ottawa. So um basically they spent a, a good amount of this year beating up on calgary and saskatchewan and uh getting into the playoffs that way but here's the and thing then the random wins over bc and winnipeg like mm -hmm. in, in the span of a couple weeks right right for some for inexplicably hamilton didn't exactly torch the west but they certainly tortured the west all year um the thing is, though, with this platoon system, with this who's going to start, who's not going to start, the truth is, is that the Owls have faced, you know, all three quarterbacks this year already, and combined, they've thrown for zero touchdowns against six interceptions. So, I if 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 the Alouettes play again. They're eleven and zero against teams with a losing record this year. I don't like that statistic. I don't like that trending 
into the playoffs. Um, but everything seems to be on the outside, culminating in the fact that the Tigers just don't have a complete offense. Mm. So, nope. I mean, I mean, you know, this is another stat I dug up in the in the thirty three in the thirty three to thirty loss to BC, right? Which might have been one of Hamilton's better games this season. A loss. Um, they still had they had thirty yards rushing, thirty, thirty in a in a thir- in a game when they score thirty points, they have thirty yards rushing, including one. Uh, stumble forward by the quarterback. So <laughs> I, I just don't see the path to victory for Hamilton um, unless it's just the numbers. Yeah, and, the ball uh, is weirdly, but if if passes prologue, then Montreal's got this one. Yeah, which would be nice. It would be nice to have a playoff win for my Alouettes. When's the last time you guys had one? Oh, Man, I don't like to think about it. Was it was it during this show's run? <laughs> uh, let's see. A playoff win? Yes. Jesus, I don't think so. <laughs> or it happened. Or it happened last year or something. I don't remember how the playoffs. Right, played exactly. Or maybe during twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty one COVID season. Right? Um. Okay. Yeah, but it hasn't been something that they specialized in over the last decade, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the first season in a long time where our week one quarterback was our quarterback in the playoffs. That also helps. All right. Western semifinal is, and unfortunately, I've got to say, are not stupid. Here is... The line on this game is Calgary Stampeders six and a half point underdogs at BC over under a 50 and a half. So you're thinking some, thinking some fireworks in this game, some scoreboard spinning. Um, like I say, unfortunately, the bookmakers are not stupid. Unfortunately, they knew that people like me would be looking for an eight point line and betting the stamps. Uh, Tried to make the case for the Stampeders here. Um, I'll go to you first, though, Joe. Do you see... I mean, okay, so basically it's the same situation as before. Do you see any way for the upset here, aside from the game two weeks ago when BC looked really bad? I think BC, BC uh, like I've said all season with BC, is that their ceiling is higher than just about any teams in this league, and their floor is lower than the other playoff teams. They can come out and have absolute stinkers. I think they just ran out of gas against Calgary. They were just at the end of the line. Yeah. They knew that even with the win the week before, they would need to win and have Winnipeg lose twice for the the West final to go to Vancouver and they just kind of crashed. It was just okay. They're facing a team that had everything to play for and had had a huge win the week before 
rode, rode the wave of momentum and just ran over them. They just didn't have any answers. Mm-hmm. Now we've got now BC's been on bye. So they've had a couple weeks to rest up. Werner will be healthier and they still have Dane Evans around. Calgary last week ran into Winnipeg's like 1B team because there's really no second string on Winnipeg right now. They mm. look pretty damn impressive last week, even playing shorthanded. Mm. And Calgary didn't sit a lot of people and took Winnipeg to the fourth quarter. But then Winnipeg just stepped on them and just said, yeah. forget it. We're going we're gonna to win this game because we're still in it. Jake Mayer looked terrible. The running game really didn't get going. The way Calgary wins this game is if BC doesn't come out of hibernation. That bye week, <laughs> the, the, the final game against Calgary, and then the bye week just kind of, they just run out of gas. Vernon's still hurt. Dane can't come and save the day. Calgary runs all over the defense because Jake Mayer ain't winning this game. Jake Mayer can only lose this game for them. He's not gonna he's not gonna throw shoot out the lights. If this is a shootout, Calgary is toast. Calgary needs this to be a fast game. They need to run the ball. They need to take time off the clock on their drives. They need to not make mistakes. And then they have to make sure that BC can't come back with a quick strike and negate every every bit of the last five minutes on their last drive goes away in 30 seconds. That can't happen. That's the recipe for victory. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Here you have BC averaging 27.5 points a game, and uh, Calgary has done that just five times this season. Uh, And, in fact, two of those times were losses (laughs) to Ottawa and to Toronto. So there you go. There's a nice range for you. Joe, um, you know, this is just to show the level of play that Calgary has you know, had this year. Uh, the truth is, is that Dave Dickinson is uh, four, uh, three and four, I'm sorry, three and four career against Vernon Adams uh, as a starter. So, you know, again, um, not, not a great number there. And this is hardly Dickinson's best team here um really the only bright spots when going through this calgary team this season have been reggie bagleton so bagleton is and the running game has been pretty good too yeah yeah not sure what to make of that uh after this last game either um i was looking mainly at bagleton's stats because I just couldn't find any other way. I mean, okay, so the other the other guy I would argue is a bona fide all pro on this team is Michael Awe on the defense, but here he is. He's playing on a below average defense. Um, Jake Meyer has survived this entire season. Hasn't missed a game. One wonders if the Calgary fans had hoped that he might miss a game or two. Um, but they don't have anything behind him. Right. Right, that's the I mean, thing. Stevens is the that's... backup, and he is not a starting caliber quarterback. He no, he's a third-down guy. He's a third-down guy. Yeah. It's just what it is. Yep, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, from, again, 
from the statistical viewpoint, Bagleton has been bailing out Mayer all year. Yes, he's he's um I have this down. He's the sixth leading receiver. Okay, he's got eighty six catches on one twenty two targets for eleven hundred nineteen yards, to be exact. Um, but that's just about exactly thirty percent of um Meyer's completions yardage this season. Okay, now that proportion is most comparable to Dalton Shun over there in Winnipeg. But Zach Caleros has two other top 15 receivers on his team. Uh, you know, this is all about Bagleton. Now, here's the problem is that even Bagleton is not likely to have a monster game. I mean, the truth is that in the past two seasons, in seven games between these teams, Begleton has just 36 catches for 344 yards. That's it. And and that includes the semifinal last year when he, you know, respectable seven catches for 78 yards. So BC has the one uh, offensive weapon that Calgary can justifiably claim to have, and they're shutting it down. Now, okay, the run game. Uh, BC has allowed yards to this run team, but I feel like the running game is in the same position as the Hamilton quarterback situation. And okay, so who plays? What oh, if if Gary see- and Mills rotate them? Well, yeah, like like the Hamilton quarterback situation. Um. I guess that's what you do. But, okay, but here's another question. I mean, is there anything that Calgary can do in this game about Matthew Betts? Yes. I mean, run and make him have to have to and make him not be able to pin his ears back. Because if you're going to let, because if he knows he can rush uh, the passer, if mm-hmm. it's second and 13, mm-hmm. forget it. Mm-hmm. He's coming. Mm-hmm. Make it second and three, and make him have to question whether he's pass rushing or run playing run defense. Mm-hmm. That's how you stop an elite pass rush. If I'm BC's defensive coordinator this week, I've got my best cover guy on Reggie Bagleton and whatever help he needs. I am tr- I'm putting five or six coming across the line a lot of the times. Because I want Jake Mayer to have to get rid of the ball quickly, which he's good to do, but to who? You get you got to make sure that Bagleton's wrapped up. But other than that, mm-hmm. make Mayer throw on on three step drops. He does, doesn't have the receiving talent to have anybody catch the ball and go twenty yards on you. They're not breaking tackles for you, right? And if you got that many people coming, the run game is going to be slowed down too, just by sheer amount of bodies in the area. Okay, all right, great. Uh, all right, let's have final picks. What do you like in these games? Give me, give me a I'm, winner and a score. <laughs> I need your I advice, my- Joe. Montreal 27, Hamilton like 
15, 16. Wow. About right. It's what they've been doing all season anyway for Montreal. I don't see Hamilton making this much of a game. Wow. I think Jason Moss has done a fantastic job this year, especially given all the turmoil in the offseason and having a lot of talent rotated in and out. They did a great, Danny Mack did a great job of finding talent that we didn't know about, losing the talent that had the names, but he filled in those gaps. He, as much as we gave him a lot of crap last year for how for how Kari, the Kari Jones situation went, mm. he knew what he wanted, and it's been successful. So you can't really you can't really fault him for the moves he's making. On Hamilton's side, they're just in desperation mode. They're trying everything they can not to have to. They tried everything they could this year not to rebuild and take one more run for the cup. But what happens next year? <laughs> and they'll be thinking about next year this time next week. Okay. Uh, what do you like for Stamps Lions? I think BC gets a couple scores early and just continues to run away. Runs away. It'll be like 34 to 16 because BC will hit a lull on offense. Calgary will make it, will get a drive or two in the game where they move the ball 70, 80 yards. They take 12 plays to do it and take half a quarter and It'll be too little, too late. Yeah, after the Stamps win against BC in two weeks ago, I thought for sure that I'd be looking at Stamps to upset in this game, but there's just no, <laughs> there's just no path to that, no clear path to that. Yeah, they no. Put Calgary four- had a chance to establish yeah. some real momentum last week against Winnipeg, right. playing half their starters basically, right. And could get anything going. Right. Right. Because ultimately the 41 point game is going to go down as, you know, an outlier. It's going to go down as, oh, it's a freak occurrence. I think BC got behind early. Vernon was hurt. Yep. They just pulled the plug on it. Just like, okay, we're we're not going to risk our entire playoff run on having three things fall the way we need to right. and oh by the way the first thing is it look it's so hot right now yeah <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna go all out on this game so that the riders still have a chance to make the playoffs <laughs> that nobody ever <laughs> right exactly <laughs> okay that's just great picking that 34 to 16 game uh score because again the over under on this game is 50 and a half so you heard it here first, folks. Joe Pritchard likes the under by exactly half a point. Uh, I don't don't know about that bet. However, it basically, I think, the way to play this game is um, you're probably going to like the under either way, right? As Joe just broke if down. Calgary, if Calgary is to win, it has to be the under because they're not scoring right. 41 again. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. By Joe's estimation, the only way Calgary stays in this game is to grind it out, grind out the yards, grind out the points with the run game. That's going to keep it low. On the other hand, and force I force a couple of huge mistakes. Yes. Yes. Which is not out of the question. Uh, Vernon Adams hasn't looked particularly sharp these past uh, three weeks. Uh, but if they don't get that, Vernon will pick them apart. Mm-hmm. That secondary isn't what it used to be. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. Not this year. Not this year. Um, yeah, they're giving up 
They're giving up too many points, and they're not scoring nearly enough, this Calgary team. So, yeah, because, yeah, like I say, the only outcome I can see is that Calgary somehow keeps it to within that six and a half points spread, or the Lions just blow them out. And uh, in a blowout situation, I don't know, 51 points is a lot to ask for out of these two teams. So I'd say, uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty much in line. I I maybe even take BC minus the six and a half, but I definitely play that under in this game. And then, yeah, I may or may not have disproportionately too much money on Alouette's minus three this week, looking for them to complete that 12 and 0 run <laughs> against teams with a losing record. Do you realize nobody else in the league was undefeated against teams with a losing record? Nope. Only the sure was it? Only the Alouettes. How 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 does this this is a very strange season for just straight up wins and losses. Very strange things happened this year in that yeah, respect. Uh, we got the we kind of got the season we thought we were gonna get, but how we got there was a little bit weird. Toronto's only loss in a game that actually mattered to them was to Calgary. Mm. Yeah. You wouldn't looking at if you just took if you go 20 years in the future, just grab the standings page from this year, you go, Toronto lost two games. Well, Winnipeg or Montreal or BC must have gotten them once or twice. And no. Nope. <laughs> sure, Winnipeg was one of the two, but not how you think it was. Right. Exactly. Well, yes, but on the other hand, a lot of people had the tight cats this year. A lot of people thought they were going to do a lot better than they did. I just didn't get it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it was still don't. It was Toronto. It was Toronto. I mean, it's the only thing we were worried about at the beginning of the year for Toronto was is Chad Kelly what they said he was right. going to be, and I think we got a resounding answer to that now, didn't we? Right. 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 I mean, any any other season, a team that ends the year, you know, sweeping through the playoffs, winning the Great Cup, um, rookie quarterback or no, he was the guy that took him on this run at the end. And yet uh, the Argos at the beginning of the season were relatively disregarded with that resume. So, but yes, they silenced all doubters, as they say in the sports world this season. Um, great. Okay, so I guess that means Joe and I will see you again when we talk the Western Finals of Winnipeg, BC, and and Toronto, Montreal. Uh, okay. Joe, take us out of here. <laughs> Only two weeks until the Grey Cup, but... The- it feels like forever ago when we started this thing, but yes. it also feels like it shouldn't be done yet. You right. know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And the season's four games too long. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it took forever to get here, and yet right. it's like, we're almost done? How? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Great. Then, for my co-host Joe Pritchard, I'm Oz Davis. I'll sign out for the show. This has been the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL Podcast. Enjoy the playoffs. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.